Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for stopping by for this latest chat with friends. Uh, we are back in the saddle. We are back talking about all sorts of stuff, uh, not just the culture stuff with the uh, you know Black History Month and everything. So we have opened the doors back up, and I am so happy. This is a man that I've been listening to for years now. I have admired this man's work for years. Yeah, I love embarrassing my guests when they come on and make them make faces. Uh, <laughs> he is the proprietor of Five Games for Doom which is a podcast and a YouTube channel. He does reviews and uh, some of the most elevated board game commentary that I have ever seen on the internet. It was one of the um, inspirations for me to start my channel and begin doing editorials myself. So I am a little bit starstruck, maybe mutually starstruck now at this point, which is great, um, to welcome Ben Maddox on the show. Welcome to the show, Ben. Well, Jason, thank you. And I completely am not deserving of such such an introduction. <laughs> Um, you know, I, yeah, good. And if, if I've inspired someone to do stuff, God, it sounds like we're going to be, uh, it sounds like we're going to be mutually stimulating each other here, but if I've inspired somebody, <laughs> I, I don't know what the language bar, the language limits are on this. So, but you know, if I've inspired someone to do something as, as good and as thoughtful and as reasonable mm-hmm. as the stuff that you're doing, then, then that's something. Oh, I'm, no, certainly, uh, I'm certainly not paying for my retirement through it, so. <laughs> no no five games for doomsday when it first came out i, I you, you'll you'd have to tell me when it did because i remember listening fairly early and the places that you went with your guests just the using the board games as leverage to talk about wider things like talking about healthcare with elizabeth hargrave and all these other different things um you know uh radio djing with mike uh, fitzgerald mm-hmm. and like okay it's like i gotta do that and I, I won't do it as as uh, with that flourish that you have, because I, I don't have the poet soul that you have. But no, you are absolutely uh, an inspiration for me. So thank you. I mean, the beauty, the beauty about doing an interview show, and I said this to someone on the Internet the other day, is I have a policy of always having guests that are cleverer than me. And what that means is <laughs> right. that you don't have to do much, basically, and you allow them to do all the work because and also, you know. People are interesting. Almost everyone. Yes. Almost. Yeah. There are some people who are irredeemably boring, and I have met them in my life, but <laughs> most people, 99. But that's 9- an intentional choice on their part. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and 99% of people are interesting and have a story to tell and are profound in ways that you can't even conceive of. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I think in life we're so we're so reliant on labels and we say okay someone does this job or they they look this way or they have these interests therefore they must be dull and these people must be cool and you know i'm i'm an actor and i can i can tell you actors are dull as dishwater (laughs) and i've met i've met i've met computer programmers who are infinitely more Mm -hmm. more interesting than actors and i i think part of that is being open and outward and if you're curious about other people, you're more interesting yourself, I guess. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. I, I, I used to be a social worker in an actors guild, so I did uh, my internship wow. at an actors guild, and it's they are interesting. They're just afraid to be interesting. You know, it's being an actor is all about. I remember when I was <clears throat> at drama school, and we'd have these, we'd have these sort of mixers, and they would have local agents and sort of talent people mm-hmm. come. And you, what you're supposed to do is just go into the room, have some drinks, dazzle everyone. Then act. And was, yeah, you're acting. I was mm-hmm. always appalling at that. And the thing is, the people who are really good at that are just woof, they have this shield in front of them and they're wonderful <clears throat> they're absolutely wonderfully engaging to strangers but they're very difficult to get to know because it's a constant and it must be hugely exhausting i would just go get drunk mm-hmm. and then leave after two hours and feel terrible about myself right. because i can't speak to people you know right so actually it <clears throat> excuse me it does fold in a little bit uh to the topic at hand so the reason i um i reached out to ben was a couple of months ago at this point, uh, I had uh, two of my good friends, so my, uh, Mike Cully and Jeremy Howard, 
and we spoke about reviewing. So like we had just had an uh, interaction on the internet and some stuff happened. So like we had to get some stuff off our chest and we all agreed. And it was about, you know, reviewing and reviewers and authenticity, which is what kind of what we're talking about. Hmm. Uh, you know, authenticity and uh, how we're afraid of it and how people react to it, all that kind of thing. So then we said our piece and we can go over that. But I'm a person that wants to disagree. I'm a person that is open-minded and I want different ideas. And I think that of all the folks who have commented on the issue of reviewing and reviewers, I think that you fall on, you know, uh, you have different uh, lines of argument, right? So mm -hmm. we do agree in some things, but there's some things that we don't. So I wanted to reach out to you and say, you know what? I, I, we, don't, we, need, we don't need the uh, mutual stimulation society over here. Right. We need, <laughs> we need I, to I, get it's down. It's a wonderful euphemism, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> We are, I am a dice style personality, so I have to be really, really careful. Well, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, hopefully people don't, uh, the young ones don't get the, <laughs> don't make the association. Anyway, um, so I wanted to reach out to Ben and have a discussion uh, about authenticity and reviewing. So Ben is a, as, as authentic a guy as I, as I know on the internet. Like I, I get the feeling, unless you're really good at BSing, that when you turn on that camera, I am getting some simulacrum of Ben, right? So then <laughs> it's closely analogous to the, to the real life. And I tried to be the same thing myself. I'm far so, more objectionable in real life though. <laughs> Truly, ask my friends. It's, it's far, far harder to actually know me in person than it is. Well, it's, well you have there. to shave off the rough edges in order to be on the camera. <laughs> same with me. <laughs> you should see some of the words I say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn the camera on sometime on some of that stuff. Anyway. Um, so we're, I'd like to have, we'll have that conversation about authenticity and reviewing and reviewers, and then we can kind of go off from there. So, uh, I, so Ben posted a video on his, uh, YouTube show about reviewers. And then I wrote an email and then Ben's like, okay, that sounds interesting. Let's talk about it. So hmm. let's start, let's walk back and start with the, the, the video and make okay. your case about what you, what you think about reviewing and reviewers. Well, the origin of the video, and I, I, I'm not sure I mention it in the actual video, but the origin was that there was a debate on Twitter and people were talking about negative reviews of games. Right. And people were talking about not wanting to do negative reviews of games. Mm -hmm. And their argument was, well, you know, to do a negative review of a game, I've got to play a game I don't like. And so that is not pleasant for me. So why would I bother? <laughs> to which my response was, my instant response to that was, well, then why are you doing it? <laughs> because, because for me, the challenge of reviewing, whether it's a good one or a bad one, is the notion of trying to find order within chaos. So I think often why... Often the act of criticism is saying, I like this or I don't like this, and then trying to unpick why that is, right? So it's, it's, it's sort of retrofitting reasons onto an, in, to an instinct. And I find that a joy to do. Also, I like to think of myself as a writer and I enjoy then writing about that. And so my argument was, if, if, you know, you don't enjoy the process of churning out a review, then why bother? You know, because the point is, even if you're playing a game you don't enjoy, the goal, the prize for you is that piece of writing that you've done at the end that is an exercise in putting across your thoughts. But also there was a second part, which I think is has become particularly pervasive. And I think it's particularly pervasive everywhere. But, you know, it, board gaming is the thing I focused on. In that, so there was there is a big website, and I'm not going to say their name, but there is a big website that I got a gig writing reviews for. And when they they sent me, like, their onboarding material, and basically they said... Um, Avoid negative reviews. Don't write negative reviews. If you feel you have to write a negative review, contact the publisher first and ask if you wish them to proceed. At which point I wrote to them and said, I'm not really keen on being a part of this anymore. Wow. Because, I mean, you know, because 
frankly, it's not the publisher's business what I think. My obligation is not to the publisher. Now, you know, being an independent kind of thing, not being The Guardian, not being The New York Times, there is certainly a possibility that if I write a negative review of someone's game, that they'll cease to send me games. But that's kind of the role you're in. Mm -hmm. And you can't just write positive. You can't just focus on the positive. You have to be honest. This is absolutely paramount because what you can't be, and this is what I talk about in the piece is you can't, if you're reviewing games, you can't be involved in marketing. That is not your goal. Now, sort of, if you write a great review for a game, sure, people who are involved in marketing can then take that and use it for marketing purposes. But your goal purely has to be encouraging restraint in the people consuming your work. You essentially, what you're trying to do is stop them buying everything which means you are obliged to do good reviews and you're obliged to do bad reviews. And if you're a reviewer and you take it seriously, even if you don't get paid, your obligation is to the community you profess to love. Therefore, it is beholden upon you to be honest. And that is by being negative and positive. That was kind of the thing, I guess. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so there is a lot that I agree in there. And I think I, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. I just, I coming at it from a, a different position, right? Right. So then, so what you, exactly where you ended, exactly where you ended was, you know, if you are a viewer, you have a obligation to write negative and positive reviews. So where I have a, where I have a difficulty and where we had the difficulty as a panel, uh, Mike and Jeremy and I was, in the community that becomes, you have an obligation to write negative reviews, period. And that the only good review okay. is a negative one and the only review that I trust. So the context of our, of our conversation was Michael Kelly had posted something about Dune, a first impression, mm -hmm. and you know, it wasn't positive. And there was an outpouring of, oh, thank God, someone honest. And <laughs> as a, you know, like you get the feeling that the a board gaming consumer, especially I feel online, right? Someone who right. consumes more than a little bit, is awash in these positive shills, hmm. and they are looking for negativity as like that reassurance that like this person is honest. Yeah, right. So then that's where we stepped in. So again, we we don't probably don't disagree, but I think that I'm a lot more kind of on the side of is my job to stop people from buying or is my job to be positive and encourage certain buying? And we've, we can talk about that. And the negativity kind of comes along with that because I don't want you to buy lemons. Cool. That's, where, that's my kind of my starting point for this. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously that assuming that if anyone is uniformly positive or uniformly negative means they're uniformly inauthentic or uniformly authentic it's completely fatuous right um you, you say, say obviously well, uh, you say obviously but i'm wondering about that because i wonder i generally wonder about the level of cynicism in the community like i generally and i guess i'm i'm again we're focused on different audiences i think i'm focused on the hyper online because that's what, who mm -hmm. i see in my feed that i i really do feel like if it's a positive review it's like, mm, mm, mm. like I, I, I guess like, so I, I think about like my Dice Tower reviews, right? So I, I, I generally positive, I don't review a lot of games per week because I'm a, they have their own machine. They are a machine. Yeah, they, they review all the games, Tom reviews, positive, whatever he does. And I'm filling in the gaps and it's a little part-time gig for me and all that kind of stuff. It's very it's helpful, right? Mm. So I make the conscious choice to do kind of what you d said to don't do, which is I make the conscious choice to review mostly positive, put up positive reviews of games. So then one day I, I got a new game in and I reviewed it and it was the Umbrella Academy card game. Mm. And it was utter trash. Like just- Was it as bad as the TV series? What? What? How <laughs> 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 oh, no. dare you? I hated that program. How dare you? That series is amazing. What? Absolute trash. I'm, what? Not, a com I'm not a comic book person. <laughs> Okay. By the way, so that's probably the reason. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's move on from how bad I think the umbrella. I can't was believe he said that on my show. No, <laughs> I got a Facebook message from someone saying, "Oh, you need to watch the Umbrella Academy. It's great." And I I humped myself mm. through that entire first season, mm. and I got to the end of it and thought, "Oh my god, that's, I'm never going to get that time back." You're not a comic book guy yet. You have that background. 
behind well, this is, you. This is this is this is my podcast art. So yes, you know, I, <laughs> but that comic book style background. <laughs> well, I, I I like certain comics. I've just finished reading uh, uh, Sandman. Oh, oh wow! Um, which you're is, you're which late is, to the train on that one. That's an excellent. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's the eighties, right? But yeah. I'm in, it's wonderful. And I just finished watching the the Watchmen television series mm. i kind of have issues with it simply because i think it's not as cynical as the book yes. but you know wonderful there are certain things i like i just didn't like the umbrella Academy. anyway okay fine. <laughs> anyway carry on that's a side trick the board game is even worse it right is utter trash and i posted a review and i was i look i you know I don't like it, but I will do it if I get it in front of me. And it's like, okay, I will show my thoughts. Two out of 10. And the response was like, I got lots of views, lots more views than I did for other stuff. I got, um, you know, usually like when I post a Dice Tower video, there's like a person out there with the thumbs down button, just like, because I'll get a thumbs down within the first five seconds. You right. know, just like, you're not, you're not Tom and you're not Z or whatever it is. Thumbs down old, isn't it? and yeah, or whatever it is. It's, and, <laughs> and, but not, that didn't happen this time. Like it took a right. long time because it was negative. Right. And I just, <laughs> and like, it, I think the, I think the comments that I got were along the lines of like, okay, you were too nice. Two out of 10 is too nice. <laughs> 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 and like, I guess like it just, it was kind of an eye opener for me because like I, I've been talking about kind of, cynicism in the community and it's like oh my god it's even worse than I thought. you know i think unfortunately as a species we tend to overcorrect right okay and so i remember when i when i was a kid when we we had the bbc and we had itv independent television which was the third channel bbc one bbc two itv literally three channels when i was a kid and um so so on ITV, it was a commercial. It was a commercial channel. The BBC is a state channel, right? So on ITV, you would have ad breaks, which you didn't have on the BBC. And in a thirty-minute show, you would have one ad break. And I remember the first time I realised that in America, you have like three or four ad breaks in a thirty-minute show, mm -hmm. and it blew my mind how much advertising Americans have to deal with, right? Yes, and so. As I said, we tend to overcorrect. So Americans are now, because of social media and because of Netflix and all of the, because of because American media is now more pervasive than ever. Mm. You know, when I was a kid, we'd have Airwolf and the A Team on a Saturday afternoon, but the rest of the TV was British TV. And now, you know, entire channels, their entire programming is American. So American culture is very pervasive, and so I think people are being bombarded with advertising much, much more than they ever have, right? And the thing with advertising is it's universally positive. That's the whole point. It right. wants to convince you to buy. I don't know if you've read the Illuminatus trilogy. Yes. Mm -hmm. But that's the wonderful bit where he sees the Fenords. Mm. And he realizes in the newspaper, all the, all the articles have the word Fenord in them. And you can't, you've been trained child not to see them and they, they they cause this anxiety because you these words that you can actually see but you can't see are there and the, the only things in the newspaper that don't have for nords in them are advertising and so when you look at an advert you you suddenly sort of go oh and you're yeah, relaxed and it, you know you want to buy mm -hmm. and so i think people are just bombarded with that kind of saccharine optimism Right. all the time so when they see someone who is not it's a stepford wife right when they see <laughs> someone who's not that they go oh they must be real but like so much on the internet it's an overcorrection right you know and this is why this is why i really this is why i think tom vassal is actually very valuable mm -hmm. And I think actually Tom's more a product of his time than any sort of inbuilt virtue that he has. But when he started reviewing, it was completely normal. You just review the game the way you found it, right? right. So if you liked it, you just liked it. And if you didn't, you didn't. And that was just normal. This it was actually a scandal to receive a, a review copy. Right. Like there, that was actually a thing back in the day of like, you received the review copy. So they used to, people used to sniff that out even in like whatever it was, 2010. Right. Or whatever. Sure. And so, you know, Tom 
one thing you can say about Tom, and people have issues issues with Tom for certain reasons. Sure. Some fair, I think, some not fair and whatever. But you trust him because he because he's just honest. He's he's and he's authentic because he's honest. Mm -hmm. And I why I say it's obviously fatuous. I think it's obviously fatuous to you and me, and I think to anybody, if you actually sit down and think about it, to say, oh, just because someone's being an edgelord, it means that they're authentic. I mean, it clearly isn't true. And I guess my 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 thing is, is you have to be honest. But I understand people going, oh my God, this is a breath of fresh air, because I'm just seeing adverts for Skittles and Nikes every day. <laughs> you know, I, I can understand people overcorrecting in that sense. Okay. I, and so I guess we can... So I think my main maybe disagreement with the way you present it is like, what is the role of the reviewer, right? And I, it's not right. disagreement, more like a, ch a change of emphasis, right? Uh, so I think like your emphasis is, and maybe this is because of your context, because of the, you know, the website, you talked about everything, but like you're, you know, you are, you're, you're kind of like stopping the flow of games. Like, you know, it's like the, the, like the river is, is overflowing. We are buying, we are, you know, everything is wonderful. Everything, you know, everything is awesome. Uh, and then it's like, okay, hold on. I am a person that is going to try to defer things so that people have that, and you give that to them. Like, I think right. like, you know, you are an oasis of like, okay, if Ben likes a game, <laughs> I can get that imprimatur. I can trust this and all that kind of thing. So I, mean, I, wish, that, I wish that were true, Jason, but yes, <laughs> in, in principle, if anyone bloody watched my reviews, but right. yes, in principle, that's <laughs> or true. reads them or something like that. Right. Um, so, and I think like, um, I, I don't, I, I have a, I have a difficulty with that because I, I just, I, I guess I have a difficulty with the basic definition, right? I, I, what I wrote to you was, I feel like a reviewer is like, we're not paid for this. Right. And right. we are, not, this is free stuff. Like I got this and I got to pay for it with the little money that I yeah. get from whatever. And I got lights and all that other things. And then, and so I, I have to be very careful about nurturing my joy for this. And sure. in a way that a journalist can, in a way that a journalist doesn't have to because of their profession, either sure. there's a calling or actually what you talked about with like, okay, the piece of work is the thing, right? You're proud of right. the work that you produce. And I'm actually kind of not in, in, in terms of my board gaming reviews, in terms of my commentary, yes. My commentary, I'm proud of it. I don't care if five people watch it. I really don't. I'm proud of it. But like my reviews, I, I need that, that joy needs to come of like, you know, I've, I've shared a positive thing with somebody and that's so, where my joy comes from. So my question is then, and it's the question I ask in the piece too, sure. why'd you do it? For the joy. So if, if, you know, if the piece of work isn't the thing, mm -hmm. what do you mean by the joy? Can you expand on that? <sighs> okay, so you go to, you, you hike the Himalayas. Okay. Right. And you are, you know, and th they perverted this and this and like everything, it gets perverted. Right. And we've talked about, we can talk about that too, about how sharing becomes marketing. Right. Right. So let's, let's walk that back a little bit. So I've hiked a high mountain. Let's say I'm not even hiking um, the Everest because a bunch of, there's a bunch of marketing there. I'm hiking another high mountain yeah. and I get to the mountaintop and I see the Vista and I'm just like floored. My first instinct is going to want to be to share it. With sure. somebody, I have found something. Oh, oh, I can't wait to tell my friends. I'm going to take panoramic pictures and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And all like my first instinct as a human being is to share it. Right. Sure. So then my goal, whenever I find any joyful thing and my shelves are full of joyful things, otherwise they wouldn't be there. I, every time I find a useful thing, I'm like, who wants to buy it? Who wants to play this with me? Who would like this? And so I'm taking the joyful thing and I want to share it with somebody. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't get the same joy when I play a turd, when I play the Umbrella Academy and I'm sitting there going, this is war. This is gussied up war. And, you know, I don't get the same joy of like putting something on screen and having people say, oh, thank you for confirming that was a turd. It's just, I've done a service. I'm happy to do this service, but I don't get that same amount of just pure joy that I get from reviewing a nine out of 10 game and saying, this game is amazing. You have to play this right now. So, so, so we are different. We are different on this because yes. I, yeah. I have written a couple of really 
excoriating reviews. Not many, actually. Ball shrinkingly bad. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. And I, I interviewed, I, I think that designer is wonderful. I think he's done mm. incredible work. I think that game is, is ball shrinkingly bad, though. And... <laughs> um, Rob Davio's Seafall, in case you are wondering. That was the game. Um, the thing is, the thing is, then I guess we are different because lines like ball shrinkingly bad and <laughs> stuff like this bring me joy. Yes. I think my most angry review that I've ever wrote was for Kaka Alarm, which is called Flushing Frenzy mm. in, in, in America. And, you know, that was a very angry review. Essentially, the, the, the crux of it was, why are, we, why are we sacrificing the future of the human race? to produce this rubbish, this rubbish <laughs> that people are gonna play once, laugh behind their hands and then put it under the cupboard and it's never gonna get used again. You know, it, and those are fun for me. The work is fun for me. I, I don't get paid a lot. I get paid a little because I have a patron or whatever, but mm -hmm. it, is, it is the work, the, the, because I love writing and I love constructing those sentences and those interesting, those, those interesting metaphors and those interesting similes, that does it for me. Mm -hmm. But also, on that token, and I understand the proselytization thing, I tend to write fewer negative reviews, not because I'm being dishonest, but because I like games, right? Yeah, sure. So I tend to play games, and I tend to have a bias towards liking them because I like games. I think that I, people don't understand that either. That sure. like, you know, we, this isn't like a, I think people have an idea of like, okay, if you're being balanced, then you're going to produce like 50-50 work. And anything off of the 50-50 work, because that's what balance is, is like an indication. Doesn't smell right. It, I don't know. And But but I, also you've got to assume that we live in, we've talked about, the. it's been thrown around for years, the golden age of board gaming. Right. And, you know, I don't, I don't review Monopoly reprints or reskins. I don't review, you know, commercial games because that's not my bag. I'm into hobby games. Right. And we're living in an unprecedented age of quality. It's like being around Hollywood in the 70s, right? Mm -hmm. With all of those incredible films being made. It's just possible that there are more games that are good than are bad, right? I mean, that, mm -hmm. that is possible. 50-50, you should never aim for 50-50 because that's inherently dishonest in, it, in and of itself, right? right? You should aim for a true reflection in your view of what it is, no? So okay, so I, I, I'm glad we found the disagreement. Like I get, I get very little joy out of a negative review. I, I don't consider the craft of a, of a negative review to be laudatory in any way. I laugh, like I mean, as you were describing stuff, or my laugh, and I laugh at your like witticisms or like if uh, if as you, mainly my uh, my European brothers and sisters. <laughs> now that I think about it, when you know, because I think that uh, especially on the British Isles, um, there's more of a emphasis on like wit. Sure. Right. Uh, just British shows are just more witty, you know, more more reliant on like turns of phrase and more kind of like seeking that like, you know, that that awesome thing. Whereas like in, in America, it's more about the belly laughs. Right. right? So I think maybe that's a, a, a sensibility thing. But like I don't you know, I like I go into a bad review. I don't seek to I all I seek is just like get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'll and obviously I'll, I'll like put and, and as I said in the review, I will play a negative game more just so I can clarify my thinking. You know, like if I oh, is this as bad as I thought, I got to give this a chance. This is this is come on now, right? And then it's as bad as you thought most of the time, and and so it's like I do play a bad game more, and I I I just don't like that process, and I will do it for you know if I get a game, like if I just get it, yeah, I I, I will try, and I think I take this to your point. This is where we do come back to some agreement. I won't kind of shunt that away. Like I won't say, I won't give it back to the publisher. It's like, I will get through this, but I am much less, I'm, it makes me, like my response to that isn't necessarily not do it. My response to that is just like, be super picky about what comes in on my table in the first place. Yeah, which is understandable. I kind of have an issue with that too. Sure. The issue being that- If, if we agree, this would be boring. <laughs> right. The issue I have with that is, I think that then- harms your reliability as a as a reviewer because sure. you're you're going out specifically to look for things that you would like right which um i mean and of course everyone does it you you can't because unless you're tom vassell right who gets 100 games through the door a week 
you know, you have to approach people and say, I'm interested in this, I would like to review it. So, so you do come up with that issue, especially if you're little independent people like us, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I, I think, I don't know. Yeah, we just don't agree on this because I enjoy the process of a negative review as much mm -hmm. as a positive review. And I and guess- if I were paid, like, honestly, if that, I were paid, I would do it. Like, I, you, you're a professional, you suck it up. And if there was a, I think like, cause I think of like Liz, who you've had on your right. show. Um, she approaches these things as a journalist. And I think journalists sure. also get a, like there's a, there's an inherent, um, you know, vocation yeah. in the sharing the truth. Like you're saying before, you know, giving people the truth and all that kind of thing, uh, positive or negative or whatever it is. Like, you know, just like the, the point is the education that you provided. And the point is teaching somebody that, that they didn't know before. Right. So like there is a, there's a virtue in that. And I just, I just don't have that. You know, and I well, think I mean, a lot you, of people don't have that. You're, you're like, like all of us. I mean, there is a reason Tom Vassell is in the position he's in. And it's not because he did a journalism degree and thought, oh, I see an opening in the board game world. I'll start looking at board games. It's because he loves board games, right? Right. Anyone who's doing this is doing it because they love board games. And I... I this might be a crude generalization, so please forgive me. If but I said to a friend, and I own, I'm only hard, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, really. But I said to a friend who's American, I said, my God, it must be exhausting to be an American. Oh. Because you're constantly under the pressure to be so up and peppy and bouncy the whole time. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that in Europe we get to be miserable. You know what I mean? <laughs> in fact, it's a defining characteristic in Europe. People, people are particularly worried if, if, if we smile too much in Europe. You know, it's, mm -hmm. you go and sit in a bar in Europe. A friend of mine went to America for the first time and he said, it was amazing. I would go and sit in bars and people would come and talk to me. Mm. That's unforgivable. That Leave me alone, you know, and and so you know you have and, and Americans do. I think it's culture. It, it's part of sort of American culture. But you have a desire to proselytize. You found this yes. thing that you love, and you have this desire to proselytize. No question. And that's cool. As long as you're upfront about that. That's fine. And I, I don't think that's an issue. Right. I think actually what I'm talking about is something that we're not talking about. Part of that essay was also that I am, I drew a distinction between being a marketer and being a reviewer, right? And I think, although I'm not particularly enamored of the marketing profession, it would, wouldn't be something that I would pursue myself there's a place in society for it. How the hell do you get to know about stuff if it isn't for marketing? marketing. Right. But you must not. You must not. And I and this is and this goes for everybody, as far as I'm concerned. Proselytizers, reviewers, whatever journalists, whatever you consider yourself to be, you must not sneak marketing in under the guise of critique. So then, it's, okay. it's unforgivable, as right. far as I'm huh? okay. So I. You walk right into it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, so the, the sharing and the proselytizing, you, a funny word for like, you know, cause it uh, has a religious connotation and I wanna, this is board games after all. I'm not like, you know, this is not salvation that I'm offering. This is a board game. <laughs> no, this is well, you know, a lot of people talk about them and I do too. Um, like the last piece I talked about is how, you know, these things are so, the board games are ritual. For me, a, mm. a very staunch, very, very dyed in the wool atheist. I don't get, have religious ritual. I don't get to kneel in the pew and stand up and sing when I'm supposed to sing mm. on a Sunday. But what I do get to do is sit around with friends and open a board and read a rule book and move pieces. That's as much ritual as going to church in my view. You know, I think we need it as humans. I'm just not particularly keen on all of the other claims that are made by religion. Okay. okay. Uh, well, a fertile ground this conversation we can go in seven <laughs> different directions so i'm just gonna burrow ahead please please just <laughs> tell me if i'm talking out of my rear end no that's for, no perfectly fine um i'm i'm a uh, actually a master of divinity uh i have a religion degree so i have many oh, many wow. things <laughs> you and liz must get on very well then she's my bestie so uh yeah. <laughs> absolutely although she's an atheist as well i'm a catholic and we, we work it out uh right. okay so then i had dan hughes on my show you right? did. I mean, everyone has at this point. Everyone that has at this point. is ubiquitous. 
and he came on. I had a couple of friends. We had a, a good chat about CoreQuest. He, if anybody doesn't know, and you, you probably know at this point, if you're watching this show, you probably know. Uh, but just in case you don't, Dan Hughes uh, of Dan Akora, Dice Tower reviewer, reviewer of, of children's games, uh, used the lockdown to review, to, to make a game with his daughter, CoreQuest. And he... And what, what you don't know is he's currently sunning himself on a beach in Bali, having absconded <laughs> with the $200,000 that he made on the Kickstarter. <laughs> nothing to the kid, nothing in the college fund. Nothing. No, not a penny. Just <laughs> not a penny. on a plane, No gone. car for you, just <laughs> sunning and funning somewhere that is not British. Uh, Dan, so... Dan, Dan and beaches. Yeah, right? Don't work <laughs> just... for me somehow. <laughs> so I had him on my show. And like I had one moment, it's like, okay, I am taking off the reviewer hat and I'm putting on the shill hat, right? Sure. Of this is because it's a preview. I have not played the game. I've only seen it on Tabletopia and like, you know, watched him and others like do demonstrations. And I know what a dungeon crawler should be like. I yep. play, I, I'm a psychotherapist. I play dungeon crawls in therapy and I adjust the rules of like a Mice and Mystics or stuff fables for right. like, you know, I saw, I, I approached this stuff as a designer. So I'm looking at it going, that's what I want, right? I want that in my therapy session. I'm going to back that. So then I have not played it, but I, but I, with my critical eye that, cause I've done this a while and I'm, you, and I'm sticking out it for a specific thing. Like I, I want it for this, right? And I gave him a quote, like, wow, this looks like something I'm, I'm going to use and blah, blah. He used, mm -hmm. it on my, he used me on the Kickstarter page. And with my credential, Jason Press, LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. Yeah. So I feel like I have done marketing. I have sure. crossed that line. Right. Sure. And I am happy to do so because Fine. what I have done was I have taken something that I really feel like will bring joy into this world, make this world a better place than it is and share it out. Right. That's, that's okay. As long as you didn't say this is a this is an honest and open review of a game, and then just lied about it. So then that's think... different. That's a different thing than saying marketing is bad. Like you know, like... I, I don't. I I think I didn't say the mark. I, I I said I was not predisposed to it, though it's necessary. I believe is what I said. Okay. I'm I'm far less charitable in my piece about that actually. <laughs> um, what, what is the analogy I used? I can't remember. But go watch the piece. I I use right. something about fish defecating in the ocean but um <laughs> um Unbelievable. Fine. i've had dan on my show to talk about cora quest right i didn't offer him a quote because i've not played the game but essentially i've participated in the same thing too i put a spin on it because i've done a series on coronavirus and gaming and mm -hmm. dan's story is perfect for that right sure. because it's something that's come out of the coronavirus and it's a positive thing and we hear so little that is I don't I don't have an objection to that as long as you're upfront about it. Okay. I, I don't it's know if that's quite I would, what you know. said. Like, you know, because I, so what we both have a problem with is when you gussy up marketing as review. Sure. So that's, that's, that's I think that's the, that, that's the bot. That's the problem, right? You, that when, when marketing gets gussied up, right? Yes. And so I think like where we where well, we well, gussied, disagree gussied up is... implies gussied up implies you just add a few things and blah blah blah. No, it's it's, it's outright dishonesty. It's like okay. when you are being paid. So I, I I say in my piece, and I'm not sure that it can happen that people get paid to review. I, I'm not sure that that's a thing in board gaming that happens much because board game companies don't have a lot of money, and people will are quite, are more than happy to shill a game for the price of a free game, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure there's an awful lot of paid reviewing going on. But I think, but I, I do think that there is a lot. And this is where the community cynicism is like, I have to contend with this. I do think there are people who enjoy the, the free game. Like, sure. I and mean, I, they I, will do, and they will bend some things. They'll call themselves a review for the sake of, like, look, I, I mean, I, I'm very honest about this. Like, you know, when I get a box in front of my door and I'm not like a person that gets like a ton of stuff, but I get a yeah, couple things, normally. right? So like, uh, you know, when I get a box in front of my door, I'm like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. And no, then it's, it's amazing. And then you open the box and it's like, I got this for free. Ooh, ooh. And I do think that that is a, a, a danger. And I guess my approach to it is like, I will ride this tiger. Because I, you know, because it's joyful and I'm sharing a joyful thing with my 
audience. As long as it's joyful. I mean, that's the point, right? As long as it's not the Umbrella Academy, right? (laughs) And And you don't know. The thing is, you don't know there whether I'm talking about the TV show or the comic. (laughs) (laughs) comic. (laughs) Uh, But so, you know, I mean, I am no paragon of virtue, right? But I try. I think everyone's just to use your phrase, trying to ride the tiger and be as good as good at it as they can, right? But, you know, I, I've, I've rev- and the thing is with board games, it's particularly difficult because it's a small community that everyone knows each other. So I've reviewed friends' games. Sure. And you've just got to suck it up if you hate it. Uh, two, two games I reviewed, I thought they were awful. And they're by friends. I mean, actual people I've met in real life and mm-hmm. sat and had drinks with real friends of mine. And you've just got to hope that they can accept the fact that you're going to slate their work. And I can't imagine it's easy, mm-hmm. but it's it's part of the job in my view. So I'm, I, maybe I'm arguing against myself in this case, but I think I'm trying to put myself in the position of an audience member. So like what, or a consumer, right? So a consumer right. will say to this, and maybe you'll make this point, that the act of getting a free game is biasing in and of itself. You will mo you may be open to saying that something is not, not like a lie, but yeah. like just to nudge it a half a right. point or a point or whatever it is. This game was not for me, but now that I've gotten it for free, it's a little bit more interesting than I thought yeah. it was. And it like we it's almost like you get you get to a point where you can't trust yourself. Well, none of this is demonstrable, right? None of this you can empirically prove. You you can't go into someone's head and pick apart their motivations. You can assume. And so what I would say to, to someone who says that, well, you get a free game. I mean, first of all, you know, then you can't trust any review for any art form whatsoever, right? That's you think that, book, yes, yes. Oh, you yes. think the book reviewers at the Guardian, oh, oh, my light's gone. Ah, I got <laughs> Hang on a second. Uh, I'm keeping that one because you look awesome. <laughs> Hang on a second. Oh my god! Look at you. Oh, <laughs> you're flashing. <laughs> Paragon of virtue. There you go. You're you're turning white. <laughs> oh my god! Hang on. So yeah, then you can't trust anything. You think the you, you think the movie reviewer for Rolling Stone is paying for his cinema ticket? You think the guy who reviews books for the Guardian is paying for the copy of that book? Absolutely not. Um, I think what you then have to do as a person consuming that, as that consumer, as that person, is then decide whether you trust that person, whether you think that getting a free review copy has biased them in some way. And then if that's the case, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to stop viewing their content, but you then have to take into account that when listening to their opinions. Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street here. I the, The thing with getting review copies is it absolutely shouldn't bias you in any way whatsoever. But we're human. But we're human. There is a danger of it. And then you have to decide. You have to then decide. I mean, I've seen people on the internet I know are lying, right? Um, I've seen people who are doing board game content about board games and they are offering their opinions and they are not stating at the beginning of the video, this is a marketing thing. They are not saying Mm -hmm. this is a preview. They are reviewing the game ostensibly. And I can see by the way they're talking around certain things of the game that they are editing negative stuff out. And I think that's dishonest. But, I mean, I'm not going to go on Twitter and call them evil. I just don't trust their work and that's also fine right that's also fine right and so i think that's where i ultimately land like what you talk about relationship building and and i think that the the community instinct to like okay that's a negative view therefore it's like i can trust it i think that is shirking on the work of building like it's it's looking for like a, a heuristic. It's like look, look, this is a this is a thing that I can hold on to a sure. interpretive key so that I can like look at this. You know, if you, if you're only positive reviews, then I can't trust you. You if you give me you sprinkle in there and I feel, I feel it, I feel it. Then I can. I just feel like that kind of shirks the work of building relationships. You know, like I think that how the do you consu- mean? In the sense that like you can let's say it's a person that only produces positive content. Mm. You can, or like, you know, they leaned in that direction. I think that if the, if a consumer watches that person 
and really kind of hears what they're saying because there's different kinds of positivity, right? Some, they, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the, the good positive stuff is analytical and it's, you know, it's like they do the pluses and minuses, but then they land at a positive place or whatever it is. So then I think that I would, I'm asking and I'm ne- I'll never get this, but too bad because <laughs> I, I, this is my, my thing anyway, because I'm, I'm very predicate on relationships. So I would like to ask the audience member to have an open mind to actually look at reviewers, which not a lot of people do because they'll post and they'll say, more reviewers are negative or are there shills or whatever. It's like, okay, give me a study. What study have you done to say this person, this person, this person? So it's just like a, a, a blanket claim that people don't do the work for. Do the work, watch people. Even if they're only land on positive places 100% of the time, they may be trustworthy. They may be authentic. They may be genuine. You know, I have these conversations a lot when I end up getting together with a lot of board gamey people, which I haven't done in a year, and I'm starting to get very frazzled. And I'm but we we'll definitely gonna, we'll get there. Yeah, I mean, you're a psychotherapist. I mean, you've got to do something to stop me painting my bottom blue and running around nude in the local park <laughs> because it's going to happen in the next yes. couple of weeks. <laughs> Pull we me back lockdown, from that ledge, Jason. <laughs> but you know, we I talk about we talk about media people and which ones we trust and which ones we think are shills and we talk about that a lot and those opinions are based sometimes on things that we do or just feelings my thing on that though that's not for public consumption that's for me and my mates to have a chat about i'm not going to tweet that accusation about someone who you know is is working on the internet, because the problem is we've seen, I mean, if Twitter was just, Twitter is what we, is what it should, it should be, is just this knock around lark where you show pictures of your cat. If that was Twitter, then cool, right? You can sort of talk about stuff on Twitter, but the point is these, this stuff has real world ramifications, right? It can affect people's lives. So I'm happy to sit around with you in a bar and have a beer. And I assume being a Catholic that you like a drink. Um, <laughs> I don't drink, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. You can have a root beer. Although, and I'll, <laughs> although I'll, when I'll... I was in uh, graduate school, entry to seminary school, there was a seminary and they had a, um, they had almost a brewery under the, <laughs> the seminary and there was Guinness all of the time. Right unbelievable (laughs) (laughs) i mean again this is not the show for us to talk about the benefits and the negatives of catholicism but (laughs) you know one thing is catholics like a drink so i'm happy to sit around with you in a bar and have a drink and tell you who i think is on the level and who i think isn't but that's not for public consumption as far as i'm concerned oh people think it is though People, well, they, this is they, the problem. This yeah. is the problem. People That's think, fine. people think the thing, and as I say, Twitter is, does have effects in the real world. It's not just a virtual thing. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's monstrous. I think, I think Twitter is a monstrous thing because of what it's become, right? So then, okay, so that's where we land, right? I think that we're in a, we're in two different spots, right? We're at two different spots, but it isn't dissimilar. I think we have a, a lot of overlap, but I think like in terms of, you know, the, how we, at a, at a base level approach, a piece of review. I think that you enjoy the craft of it. I think that whether it's positive or negative, and even there's a virtue in the negative stuff. Like there's a virtue in you know, turns of phrase and wittiness and the honesty that involved. And I just don't approach it like that. I will do it, but it is not something I look forward to. So I, I do think there is a push pull. Right. Right. Is that is that fair? Is that a fair place to kind of- Yeah, I think, yeah. I think I'm approaching it as a- and this sounds tremendously pretentious and it's it's completely undeserved because I've no training or whatever. But I, I guess I'm approaching it from more a journalistic viewpoint. And you're and you know, one thing religion has given us is a wonderful lexicon. You're approaching it from more of a proselytizing. Proselytizing side. Right. And I think they're both fine. I, I don't I don't think being a proselytizer necessarily means you have to be dishonest. And I think it's fine. Proselytizing you know, is not necessarily marketing. Exactly. Because it, marketing it be... is all about the sell. In marketing, you there you can sell a bad product. But if you are hired sure. as a marketer for that product, you will sell that product. Yes. And, and the point is, I don't think proselytizing... So there is a problem. You know, we, we're having something of a reckoning within within the board game community at the moment. And you've done videos on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think there are there are casualties to that. 
and sometimes deserved casualties and sometimes undeserved casualties. But what I've noticed about board gaming is it seems to be a very middle-class hobby. And so much board gaming content that I consume is about consumption. So much, so many podcasts that I listen to are are about, can someone give me a tip for a $20 game? Because I've got $120 in my shopping cart and I need $150 to get free shipping. There's a lot of that sort of stuff. And that's fine, I guess. But, you know, I think, I think you, that's marketing. Proselytizing should be about come to my game group play these games and frankly it doesn't matter if you don't own any and frankly it doesn't matter if you come every week and you don't buy any as long as you sit there and you enjoy yourself and we get to interact with each other as human beings and find out something about each other that's cool mm-hmm. that's proselytization come in you yes. know hear the good news that's yes, proselytization the good news. That's it. buy this stuff that is then ethically more difficult not necessarily mm-hmm. ethically bad in all cases, but it's more problematic. A, pro- a proselytizer will say, play this game. A marketer will say, buy this game. There we go. So that's that. And so there's different flavors of honesty. I don't think honesty comes in one package. And I, don't, nope. and I especially don't think that it's just like the negativity is a proof of that. Absolutely so not. I think that, so we, we, ultimately we're at the same space, but I think like I love this conversation because it kind of clarifies our positions and it hopefully offers the audience a couple of different models for sure. how like not every board game reviewer has to be a journalist and how not every board gamer has to be has to fit into a box in order to make you no. feel better <laughs> no and, and the thing is what's interesting about the dice tower is is the dice tower is about community i think i am constantly surprised sometimes at how how befuddlingly bad some of the contributors are and i mean that in the nicest possible way but that's fine and, and of course not your, not your good self oh, sure. and i don't mean the kind of reviewers i start i i think i think um sometimes you get these compilation shows yep. where Boy people send stuff in well game breakfast or favorite game friday something like that right. but but that's also cool because it's about community and it's about people who have a genuine love for this thing trying to trying to say to people, this is why I love it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that motivates you to turn on a camera, I guess it kind of doesn't matter how bad you are. As long as you're not, as long as it's, you know, you're not behind the scenes trying to make people part with their money on crap, you know. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list.